0: questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas.
1: There is a lot of confusion out there. The mainstream media wants you to exclusively connect to them for the answers. Are they telling us the truth? If our past serves as evidence, then you know the answer. I'm bringing tonight's special guest because of our experience working for the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA. Many people are contacting me with the following. Is it true that FEMA has more power than the President of the United States or Congress, and that it has the power to suspend laws, move entire populations, arrest and detain citizens without a warrant, and hold them without a trial? It can seize property, food supplies, transportation systems, and can suspend the Constitution? All 50 states and territories are currently under disaster declaration for the first time in U.S. history. When a state of emergency is declared, Executive Order 11921 allows the Federal Emergency Preparedness Agency to develop plans to establish control over mechanisms of production and distribution of energy sources, wages, salaries, credit, and the flow of money in U.S. financial institutions in any undefined national emergency. It also provides that when a state of emergency is declared by the president, Congress cannot review the action for six months.
0: You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at VeritasRadio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order. And even cryptocurrency we are now accepting bitcoin litecoin and ethereum don't forget to visit the veritas store for focused life force energy mms cbd pure hemp oil Divinia water pure organic sulfur flash drives with all our sanitas and veritas seasons and other great products and if you want to get in touch with mel want to be a guest on this radio program have a guest suggestion or have feedback just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Fabregas.
1: Tonight's special guest is Celeste Solem, who has worked as a contractor for Homeland Security and FEMA. Her training and activations include the infamous day of 9-11, flood and earthquake operations, mass casualty exercises, and numerous other operations. Celeste is the author of two books, Electromagnetic Radiation Protection Solutions and Seven Thunders Revealed. Celeste grew up in a military and governmental home, with her father working for the Naval Warfare Center, and later as Assistant Director for Public Lands and Natural Resources in both Washington State and California. Celeste also has training and expertise in small agricultural lobbying integrative and functional medicine, asymmetrical and symmetrical warfare, and organic farming. Celeste joins us directly from Condon, Montana, and her website are shepherdshearts.life and patreon.com forward slash shepherdsheartfarm. They are both linked on our website. Hello, Celeste, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Celeste, a lot of fluid information out there every single day things change a lot of people wondering who's telling the truth but one thing that i'm getting in the last few days the past week is this situation with fema and the fact that the president supposedly has delegated all the power to fema sounds like science fiction to me but there's a law being quoted here you are an expert first of all before you tell me about this Give us a little bit of your background. You worked for almost 20 years for FEMA. Tell me a little bit more about yourself and they will dive right in.
2: Okay. So um, do you want me to tell you about what I did at FEMA? Yes. Okay. So basically back in the day before 9-11, you just kind of did a little bit of everything and whatever disaster came up, everybody kind of pitched in their uh, talents and, we brainstormed and we would find solutions. And then things began to change the closer that you got to 9-11. And then it got very militarized, um, very structured, very comp- compartmentalized. Um, and you knew that there, things were happening and something was about ready to happen. And we didn't know exactly <clears throat> at my level what that would be, but then we were we soon found out. And it became obvious like the day after, of course, everybody was in shock, you know, the day of 9-11 at work. It was absolutely crazy. Uh what a lot of people don't know is that all the emergency managers and their right hand man, men or women, uh, were back in New York City for an exercise. And so that left all the, around the whole country um, deficient in the top two emergency managers all over the whole United States. And so, like, we had the counterterrorism person, and then my boss went with the governor, and then basically I did infrastructure checks, you know, checking bridges, dams, you know, all sorts of infrastructure, because we really at that point on 9-11 itself did not know um, how extensive uh, this was, and uh, but then we found out uh, the next day. I happened to look at some websites, and there there were massive um, websites put up like the day after um, that were inc- that were writing <sighs> on the patriotism of Americans to volunteer for their country, which basically was going to be used by corporations as a slave labor force. And so that went up the day after things like the Patriot Act. Um, a month later, there was uh, the Bioterrorism Act of 2002. That's when it was passed, but it was formulated much earlier. So um, I did plans. That was kind of what I really enjoyed doing. But I've done everything from incident c- command of like i said participating in exercises and doing all sorts of things
1: and when it comes to 911 let's just go back because it's this year will be 19 and that that the number 19 is everywhere this year i don't know why but this is the 19th anniversary coming up for 911 obviously the patriot act the uh, all the other laws that had been enacted and they were as you said formulated months before if not years before that event took place, which to me, something tells me that this is pre-planned. What is your take on
2: 9-11? Absolutely, it was pre-planned. I mean, there's not a doubt about it.
1: For what purpose?
2: To change not only the American governmental structure and the fabric of the American society, but also the world, because what happens in America does ripple out
1: across the whole uh, globe. And the reason why I mentioned 9-11 is because life as we knew it was never the same. Now, when you go to the airport, some people might say, well, do you have a problem with that? Do you have a problem going through an x-ray machine? Do you have a problem with being frisked and your wife and your children? Well, I do in a way. And just like life was never the same and new laws were enacted, do you think that this event, let's call it, March 11th, which is when the emergency was declared in the United States. Do you think that there were laws that were formulated in preparation for this event? And do you think that we'll be operating some kind of a short of medical martial law, but they call it social distancing for the next few years until a, supposedly a vaccine comes out? Do you think life as we knew it won't be the same after this second event?
2: Absolutely it's not going to be the same ever again. Um, and it's actually much bigger than the United States. It is global right. Um, if you go to the World Economic Forum under platforms at the top, you can you can press the different platforms and see how extensive um, this operation is. And it all begins with COVID-19 as they call it. And they, cha- they wanted to bring the world to a stop a standstill so they could inject global government. So it is not only the United States, but it is every country in the world.
1: And the reason why I think that this they wanted in a long-term basis for a permanent global change, as you say it, is because back during the Nat 11, a few days after, what were the first things that we heard from the president? Consume, consume, consume. Go out there and shop. Life is back to normal. In yes. this case, is the exact opposite. Stay mm-hmm. home. Don't go out. So there's a big contrast here, almost as if they. this is the dawn. Some people call it the dawn of the age of Aquarius. Some people say it's the age of Taurus. But it's the dawn of something completely different than what we have left behind.
2: Absolutely. I just got back from town. Um, I went to town for a few things this morning. And even I go once a week, just to top off different things. And I was horrified. I mean, it was, there were not very many people. Most businesses were closed. Um, Everybody had masks on. So they kind of looked it, it was very dystopian because the people had masks on. But, you know, at the same time, they're humanizing robots to look and be emotional. So the robots are getting more human. And it's like we're all these masked bandits, you know, and it it you just kind of got this sense that you were kind of dirty, like you're a dirty human. Uh, usually I pick up baby chicks. And uh, this year, everybody swooped in and got the baby chicks. But today, there were a few baby chicks, but it was all barricaded off. You could not go near the baby chicks because uh, baby chicks are considered bad, too. So, it's not only humans. It's it's anti-human. It's anti-animal. And it's also anti-plant, believe it or not.
1: So, no baby chicks, no seats, I hear. No yes. animals. It's almost as if they're preparing to, they're just trying to find the word. They're trying to monopolize the food supply. No restaurants. They want to just people just to go directly to Walmart. And, you know, here in Arizona, a lot of people hike. When we hike, we walk, and we see the expressions on people's faces almost as if you're walking too close to them. But then, these are open spaces, but then you go to Walmart And you get these lines where people are just stuck next to each other. It just really makes no sense. People at the beach, somebody who was surfing in California yesterday, or Australia, I forgot where it was, came out. Immediately, three police officers just took them. Yes. Yes. So what do you think this is going to be? Are they trying to to monopolize industries?
2: So they're basically changing. Um, They do not want, they need... Have you heard of the United Nations Sustainable Millennial Sustainable Goals?
1: Yes. Yes, I have.
2: Okay. So basically there was building resistance on that and there was a political discussion and things such as climate change, that type of thing. And they said, you know, we need an event to bring this discussion to an end and we we are going to bring this in um, by hook or by crook, as they would say in the old days. And so they picked COVID, um, an invisible enemy that you don't really know. Is it real? Is it perceived? Uh, Nevertheless, it does the same thing and it will change every single fabric of society. For instance, there's this huge war on protein um, and your food. So what the United Nations has allowed, I warned my um, my followers last August that it was the first year of famine, the zeroth year of famine. And they kind of looked, you know, they kind of like, what are you talking about? I can go to the grocery store. I can get anything I want, you know? So, I, I mean, they listened to me, but I think they were a bit skeptical. But I was serious. I said, you need to start getting seeds. You need to start gardening. You need to get some supplies. And um, so I brought them to this United Nations report that was issued, I believe, last August. And basically it said that you would be allowed 1.2 ounces of uh, laboratory protein or an insect protein, no meat, um, no dairy, no milk, um, a week. And that would be your protein allowance, your carbohydrate allowance and that is no sugar at all just carbohydrate which is the equivalent of like three quarters of a granola bar every 21 days and very soon that's what we're going to be allowed those two things sorry about
1: that that's okay it's incredible because a lot of people have been talking about even on this radio program about agenda 21 agenda 2030 and people think this is just science fiction or we're just, you know, bringing this out from our magician's hat. But this is available everywhere. You can actually go to the United Nations website. I'm there right now. And I'm looking at it, Five, for example, five ways technology helps the UN meet its sustainability development goals. And I'm going to just tell you a few. No poverty, goals. It sounds, at face value, sounds great, right? So is what Fidel Castro and, and the others Promise their people no poverty, zero hunger, good health and well being, quality education, gender equality, clean water and sanitation, affordable and clean energy, decent working economic growth, innovation and infrastructure, sustainable communities, justice, and strong institutions. This all sounds great, but in reality, is this really the way, Celeste?
2: So basically what that is, is code. And you have to, just like the president is using code and the vice president is using code and the World Health Organization lady, I can't remember her name, is using code. Um, That also, those sustainable goals are, like when they talk about poverty and reduction of poverty, what they're talking about is getting rid of the poor people and then you won't have
1: poverty when exactly instead of saying they're not even saying wealth redistribution they basically right. are saying we will be eliminating those who are not productive and who are the non-productive in their eyes the poor and the elderly correct me if i'm wrong
2: yes and there's another group and that is why i left the agencies um it is because there was um they knew that this day was going to come and this operation was going to happen. And for anybody that did not believe in the ideology of the state, and that doesn't only mean if you're in the United States, if you're in another country, um, if you don't believe in the ideology of your state or the basically the global government, then you would be imprisoned for a short period of time. If you were found to be re-educationable, they would do that probably if you were a young person, if you had a productive um, type of skill that they could use. But for most people, they really, we really are in a post-human era. So there's robotics, so they don't need this large workforce like during World War II. Um, And so... If you were, did not believe in the ideology of the state and you were not re-educationable, then you would be killed. And there are two different ways that they have deemed that that is humane. And one of those ways is by gassing. And we saw tremendous gassing operations uh, associated with COVID in China. I don't know if you saw some of those, but it was ghastly. Uh, but that is considered a humane way of killing people. Another way is decapitation.
1: Let's dissect this one by one, and I'm so okay. glad I have you here, Celeste. You mentioned the poor. We, we mentioned the poor, the elderly, and I presume yes. you're in, you're you're saying that, that subversives, those subversives out there, but they have to be re-educationalized, if you want to use that term, otherwise. Yes. No chance. So re-education camps, is that what you're implying?
2: Yes. But that would only be for select people, like not everybody. If you were old, um, you would not qualify. And if you were young, you would not qualify. And the reason that they do not want young people is because there is a goal for two by 2030, they want totally engineered humans. So these humans would not be um, uh, created the way they have in the past between a man and a woman. Um, They would be designed and engineered in a laboratory, and then they would be augmented and enhanced. And they want these to be the super soldiers with superpowers by 2050. So they really don't want any stragglers um, like young people um, because they would not, um, they've got this grand vision. And so they, that's why you're seeing more abortions. That's why we're seeing an emphasis on post birth terminations of live children, that type of thing. That's why, because by 2030, they want like a, hybrid between a human and a machine
1: uh, individuals, humanoids. And this is why I've been wondering, for example, pick on Japan. Even in the world, for the last, I believe, 70 years, the birth rates have been going down dramatically. But pick on Japan for a, for a second. I think their birth rate is something ridiculous. It's like one point something. In the next 20, 30, 40 years, what will happen to a country like Japan. When you have the elderly and you don't have any youth helping to, 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 to maintain that society, I mean, this is what happens. That's why you have social security, so that the youth can pay for the people who are living now and then when they become old, then the new generations will pick up the tab. But this is no longer the case. With the baby boomers retiring in droves in the next few years, there's not going to be enough money to support them. Are you right. envisioning death panels also?
2: Well, of course. I mean, it's, it's subtle right now, even in the – there's this big push towards precision medicine and universal healthcare, And within that system, once you've used up your productive years, then all of a sudden, you know, you go to the doctor. You know that something's wrong, and they just kind of pat you on the head, and they say – I mean if you have money they might suck it out of you and say oh you have cancer and you have to have this expensive treatment but most of, for most people that just have like aches and pains the aches and pains of getting older whatever um you're just going to be patted on the head and just told to go home and just you know they're going to make it impossible so yes in a, it's they're not going to call it death panels But basically, it is artificial intelligence that is ordering doctors and is actually right now um, telling your doctor how to treat you, how much medicine, if you're eligible for um, surgeries and this type of thing. It is not your family doctor. This is not Marcus Welby anymore. This is artificial intelligence. (laughs)
1: I wonder how many of our listeners remember Marcus Welby. But uh, maybe they're not going to call it death panels. They may have a game of words. Maybe they'll call it dignified departures or something along those lines. But I want to know also, what -hmm. was the main motivator of you departing, no pun intended, FEMA?
2: So that's when um, they were, I heard this really evil laugh about the people being the plan to imprison people and have them put to death if they did not believe in the ideology of the state. And it was such an evil laugh that I could not be a part. I knew that I had done many helpful things, many good things, um, really helped in disaster, but that my time uh, doing that was over.
1: And I want to also know, from A to Z, what were some of the things that you learned? The plan. What is the plan that they are perhaps, can you say they're executing it as we speak? This is the plan being executed?
2: Yes. So uh, as, so the scenario is, as most of the listeners know, um, so the World Health Organization uh, declared that, I'll just say COVID-19, um, was an an International disease emergency, and then like I don't know a week later or something. I don't quote me on the date. Uh, the uh, President Trump said that um, they were joining the World Health Organization and declaring a health emergency in America uh, due to COVID-19. And what he said in that particular address the very first time that he declared it for the United States was that he was operationalizing. And so he was operationalizing kind of like opening Pandora's box of all these plans that have been developed, some of them over generations, and they've been exercised and refined. And he was operationalizing meaning he was bringing them to life. He was animating them. They were coming into to be. So they were no longer dusty plans sitting on a, you know, book rack someplace or in a computer. They were actually going to be implemented. And that's what we're seeing um, happening right now.
1: I want to go back to that law that I quoted at the beginning of the, of my introduction. But before I just want, I have a thought that I want you to answer if you could. Why do you think Trump President Trump doesn't have independent advisors when it comes to this pandemic? And we only see two people, and two people only most of the time. Yes, we see the, the chief of the CDC, we see the Surgeon General, but two people I'm talking about doctors Fauci and Burks. Why doesn't he and we know they're liaison? is with Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation and the WHO and and the rest of them. Not independent thoughts. And every time somebody mentions hydroxychloroquine, you get Fauci saying, no, it's anecdotal. Even though there are several doctors around the world quoting thousands of patients who have been fully recovered with it. Why do you think he doesn't have independent advisors right now with him?
2: So that's kind of an interesting story from my perspective. So, I So this World Economic Forum that, that really has the plan very succinctly laid out, um, they were talking about novel geometries. So I have somebody in the know, what's a novel geometry? And then what happened was on March 13th, which, you know, it was Friday the 13th. And a lot of people think that, you know, Friday the 13th is a bad number. Anyway, I happened to watch the briefing, the COVID briefing for that day. And that day, um, President Trump marched out all these CEOs, you know, I don't remember what companies they were, to be perfectly honest, but yes. there were about 12 or 13 of them. And he was attaboying them, you know, Costco's going to do this. I, you know, I don't remember the the companies. I remember. Um, and so... But what he was doing is, in a way, bowing to the United Nations and saying, this is a global corporate fascism. You've heard him use the statement, public-private partnerships, over and over and over again. Um, And that is global fascism. And he was basically bringing out the public part Uh, these um, CEOs, and he represented the government. And so he was saying, here, I am marrying the two in this right now, um, going forward into this global fascist um, regime, I guess. I can see see
1: why you would say that. uh, A corporatocracy of global fascism in a way, because it's the merger of the corporation and the government at the same time. Some people say, wait a second, but if this was a socialist country or a communist country, we wouldn't even have the private sector to help out during times like these. So I can see the flip side of the coin. But why don't we go back to that law that I quoted at the beginning, the Executive Order 11921 that allows the Federal Emergency Preparedness Agency to develop this plan. And what I read at the beginning, can you comment on this and how accurate is what I read?
2: So there, there is a, a federal framework plan um, that has, you know, how the United States will operate in an emergency. And, of course, FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management um, Agency, would be the lead agency. And then in that, at we'll kind of at the end, um, it has different emergency support functions. Those are called ESFs, and they deal with okay. So uh, the DOT would be in charge of roads. The USDA would be in charge of food. So it basically basically is a organizational chart, and it says in a disaster, any disaster. Um, who's job who will do what job and what agencies are you going to work with and what power structures? Um, you know, who are you going to be able to network with uh with your memorandums of understanding, your contractual agreements, that type of thing. This is so there's a federal one, and then each state has a, a comparable um It's not a national, of course. It's your state um, comprehensive emergency management plan. The acronym for that typically in most states is called CEMP. And it reflects the same structure um, and organization. It uses the same uh, terminology, language, and it uses the same ESFs, ESFs. And so the state basically models um, what the federal government does. And then there is also, you know, you can bump it down to the county level and to the city level also. Of course, their plans are not as elaborate or as extensive, but the terminology, the structure is all the same.
1: So I see two scenarios developing in the next Can I say 60 to 90 days? I used to think maybe two weeks, maybe a month, but it seems Mm -hmm. to be prolonging perhaps all the way to May. At least those states who are not, quote unquote, being affected that much. Mm -hmm. What will happen in the next 45 to 90 days is this. Either we start opening up for business and this thing goes out of proportion again and we have to lock down for even longer let's say that that's not going to happen. I am I'm hoping I'm, I'm I'm a realist. I'm optimistic that we'll open those places around the nation that can do so and the economy gets better even though we have lost one full month of this. If we go beyond this, then I'm talking about the point of no return. We have many governors and mayors saying, "Yep, unless we find a vaccine and that has obviously has to have be tested and tried and tested many times and this has to wait for at least an average of 18 months to 24 months. If that's the case, I don't see how this nation will remain together. The glue that, uh, that that sticks all the states together in a federalized fashion will be gone. And the only way to stick it would be with FEMA. And we know the map, the FEMA maps that shows, you know, for example, California and Arizona is, is section whatever, seven, right. and the rest of them. These are the two scenarios I see because I don't see how this nation can operate without civil unrest if this goes beyond May.
2: So what was interesting when I, so I, all those on the world economic, I know, I'm sorry, I keep going back to that, but it was so detailed, very specific. And so there was some very good information in there for all of us. And it said that in 2020, of course, there, uh, power is a big thing. So they talked about the power issue. And they said, and this is before, well, COVID was in China and it was just hitting uh, the Amer- Americas. This was the second week in January um, when the Davos conference was held. And they said in 2020, the power will go down. Um, it will go out for some period of time. So I believe that that is going to be dependent upon our behavior and if we are if we stay in a submissive state as we are right now um, with very little resistance um, then the lights may stay on and maybe the power thing may just be a real short hiccup But if we start to see a large rising tide of resistance, that's when I think that they're really going to pull the plug. And it will be, at that point, very difficult for people to unite, uh, to organize and to resist um, what is, you know, being played out.
1: But that's changing. As we speak, there's something called, I believe it's called Operation Gridlock. And this is happening in Michigan? Ohio and even Oregon, so this started. I believe it was last Sunday, but it's in full force. Thousands of people out, out there in front of the the uh, the state state capitals, protesting and saying we're not going to take this anymore. People are waking up left and right. If you yeah. saw Bill Gates the other day on an Instagram post, he was behind a a glass with a sign saying "Thank you, thank you, healthcare workers for blah blah blah." And underneath, as of right now, so th- this morning, over 100,000 um, messages from people, and 99.9% are all just demonizing him, except for a few who say, we love you, you're the Savior, you left the corporate world to give all your money, and you're putting your, your money where your mouth is and helping the world. But that's just a, a fraction, perhaps even a, you know, that's AI or somebody being paid to say that. So I think people are waking up And it would be very feasible for the governments to say, you know what? Cut the internet. Cut the internet. Uh, They're only going to be able to watch one channel coming from from FEMA, from the federal government, in order for them just to tell them and to tell us what they need to do. But that's very feasible.
2: Yes. Yeah, I really think that it is behavior dependent. Um, If we're going to have the power and the internet, I, I really... It, so the first thing that they did it was very interesting they did this in China so they get this unknown bug right so what is one of the first things that they uh, roll out is a mental health uh, a mental health plan same thing in the United States no sooner was this um, covid um, and announced as a national emergency, and they rolled out a mental health uh, plan. And they said that uh, the average American did not have the internal fortitude to endure a disaster. And so we were all being unofficially declared as mentally ill, needing the help of the health professionals. And um, not a we were not of sound mind uh, to be able to deal with this uh, crisis that we're seeing happening right now. So that was the first thing. The second thing, they're putting all this money and all this labor not into developing vaccines or, you know, treatments or anything. The number, the highest amount of dollars is going to what they call fighting the infodemic, so this is this is very telling. So why are they not fighting the pandemic? Why are why is more money going to fight independent um, media and people on you know? having lively discussions about vaccinations and different treatments and that type of thing. They want only one voice. And um that's that was developed in the plans with FEMA. There um after 9-11, instead of you know so like let's back up. In, remember during the Iraqi war, you know, we had the news commentators 24-7 and it was like this dialogue and a lot of it we found out was green screened in later and it wasn't even the truth they really weren't on you know in Iraq and all of that well after 9-11 they decided to go to messaging so what they wanted you to do is to stop using your brain and to rationally be able to think out your situation they kind of In a way, we're lobotomizing us. Um, And they do that like with Twitter, you just only get a few words, that type of thing. And so they wanted you to respond to just a few bulleted statements. And those those statements had to come from a trusted source. So what part of what we're seeing is this whole war of who is the trusted source is this going to be the government or is this going to be alternative media? And we're seeing this big war um, underway right now.
1: I see a couple of things happening here, Celeste. In China, the protests in Hong Kong and other parts of China. If Hong Kong would have been part of China again before 1989, they wouldn't have cared going to door to door, snatching and disappearing people. But we're in 2020. And even though China controls most of the internet, they know there there are ways in which people can get that information out, VPNs and so on. So they don't stain their image and save face. What do they do? They create this pandemic, they begin a lockdown, then they can snatch the people and disappear them under the guise of taking them to a quote unquote hospital where the people died and, and, and the world don't even doesn't even blink. In the United States, I see it a, a different thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I know that there's the United Nations and the deep state behind the scenes. They want a global government. And in my opinion, and in the opinion of a lot of people who listen to this program, we are the last bastion. We are the last card. And what is that last card? The middle class. The people who are, have a job, have a work, you know, financial wherewithal, have the guns. They want to get rid of the middle class so that we can be on our knees with our hands extended for some help. And this is the last card. Do you lend credence to those two scenarios that I gave you?
2: Absolutely. Um, Who was it that said, I think, was it Kissinger that said, if you control the food, you control the people? Exactly. So they've known that for a long time. And what they're doing, I mean, just think, how many calories is... 1.2 1.2 ounces of protein and 36 grams, and that's in a week, and 36 grams in 21 days. I mean, that is worse than concentration camp uh, rations. So not that many people are going to be able to live. They're going to become infirmed. They're going to get diseased. Um, and then their their bodies are just going to give out because they're not going to have the energy.
1: I think the end game they keep changing the the parts of the game. First it was climate change. It's in my opinion it's just pure collectivism under the guise of of climate change. Well that didn't work. What's part 2? Well, a pandemic. Until we find a vaccine, everybody's going to be locked down and many people are clamoring for this. They're saying thank you. Mr. Governor, thank you, Mr. Mayor, for doing this for all of us, keeping us safely, safe here. But they're not thinking about what's going to happen next month or the next month. At one point, other people's money will run out. And guess what? Before that even happens, there will be hyperinflation because they're going to be printing billions, trillions of dollars. And when you dilute the purchasing power, then a can of beans that cost you 2 $3 right now might cost you $25 in six months. So what's going to happen when that occurs.
2: Then we're going to be like the South American countries that just have this hyperinflation and the Weimar Republic, you know, it's, it's America is going to be in that. Americans are already seeing. I mean, if you go to the grocery store, things are rising like t- by $2 a week. Um, and that's if it's available. I mean, a lot of things are not even available
1: because a lot of food producers, contrary to what the media is telling you, a lot of them have been shut down in yes. certain in certain states, and find out why a pork producing plant somewhere in the Midwest was shut down. Uh, f- some farmers are dumping their products in Florida, so uh, the cure will be killing millions and millions more than the costs. Why are people believing this and they're not just rising to the occasion and saying, enough, we have to take back our lives? It's not even our government. It's not even our freedoms. It's just take back our lives.
2: So one of the statistics that I learned early on at FEMA, and I have tested it in other things other than government, and I have found it to be true, and um, maybe you'll find it to be true also, um, is that 3% of people will do something consistently all the time. And 7% of people will do something once or twice, maybe write their senator, maybe call or their representative, write a newspaper letter to, or a letter to the editor, um, opinion op-ed or something like that, um, maybe do a, a YouTube or something. But 90% of people will do nothing even if it means their own death or the death of their loved ones. That's pretty sobering statistics, but I have watched this play out for like 25 years and it has held true.
1: I think 10% 10 is too much. I think the actual number is about 1%. Those are the people who really create critical change when the masses are just sitting down. You know, I said it, we have this thing called Corona Chronicles where I'm chronicling what's happening from the beginning of this pandemic, as I call it. And mm-hmm. how are we going to be looking at our children in their eye? We have two choices. We can say, I'm going to do something so that you don't have to suffer in the future. Because if you don't do something, whatever you're experiencing right now will be Disneyland in comparison to what they'll see beyond 10 years from now. And there are others who will say, I would rather stay at home Take some selfies with my mask on, and let this, let this dust settle. Well, the dust will not settle. How can no. we, how can we create some action, non-violent action, Celeste?
2: So I'm really excited because I'm going to be on a panel, a global panel, and it's called Event Two Hundred Two, and it's playing off of <laughs> wait a the second, pandemic.
1: <laughs> Event Two Hundred Two.
2: Event two hundred two, playing off of the, the two hundred one, uh, two hundred one, yes, <laughs> and it is a an alternative activism resistance. Um, the panelists are from all over the world. we uh, there's people from like alternative medicine, um, organic farming, um, just alternative media, just military alternative media. Our media, uh, just the whole works. Um, I think there's 16 of us panelists. That's great. And so this is going to be on April 30th. And it is a global event. It will be streamed. I believe it's going to be on YouTube. But um, I I can get you the information, more information on, you know, the particulars. Um, but it is all about the response and mobilizing a global response to this
1: pandemic in a creative way. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. Now, let me ask you this. And I, I hate to do this because I don't like that thought. You manifest the thoughts that you entertain. At the same time, I always tell people when they say, Mel, you're going too dark lately. You, you need to uplift people. I'm trying. But if you're sick and you go to the doctor and you don't want to talk about your disease... How is that doctor going to be able to just diagnose you and find out what the solutions are? So we need to find out what the solutions are. Also, we need to know what the plan is. During your time of FEMA, if you had to envision what they were planning to do right now, let's say they continue, the figures keep being inflated because they are. For example, in New York, I believe 3,000 deaths yesterday were not even tested for COVID-19. They were attributed to covid-19. So they keep mm-hmm. messing with the figures. So if this continues like this and they keep the lockdown for an undetermined amount of time, what is the next step? What are they going to do? And if they say we have a vaccine, we also have a microchip. But I want you to go and tell me what hydrogel is. So
2: so the the plan to get back to normal is one To test everybody for COVID. But what they are actually doing is collecting everyone's DNA and putting it into the quantum computer system. And actually, a week ago, I saw some articles that they said, oh, by the way, we're running it through the FBI database. Actually, that's in the Federal Register. And then Oh, well, we have it, so we're going to be searching family uh, lines for non communicable diseases and different things like that. And then they swap and share their, they're suspending the HIPAA regulations so they can share your private information with people that can make money off of your blood. So that's number one. That's the first step to get back to normal. The second step is this vaccination. This vaccination. There's actually 48 of them being developed, and they are comprised of three things. Aborted babies, humanized mice, and you might say, what is a humanized mouse? It is a mouse that has human blood, human organs, human immune system. It's basically a human being in a mouse suit. And then, even crazier than that, is a human humanized plant. And what they do is they take human proteins and they inject it into the vascular, you know, plants have a vascular system similar to our circulatory system, but a little different because they're plants, but they're going to put human proteins in there. So they're going to take this mix of aborted babies and humanized mice and protein uh, humanized plants and they're going to say voila this is and they oh there's a few nanoparticles in there too maybe the quantum dot i'm not sure quite frankly on that one Um, and they say oh this is going to be the oh and before i get off onto the hydrogel um, it will also do things like it will sterilize you it will take care of non-communicable disease like let's say you have obesity or diabetes or other situations. They, they say that they're going to, it's like one-stop shopping. So they're not only going to take care of the COVID, but they're going to take care of all your other ales too. So now that's number two to get back to normal. Number three is the most scary as far as I'm concerned. And that is a, a something called a hydrogel. And DARPA has been working on this for ten years. They wanted to put chips in people's brain, but that required surgery, and they really didn't want to do an injection into a into the brain. So when when COVID um, happened, they what they did is they got this gel and it's nanoparticles, and they put it into a syringe. And they inject it into your body. And what it does, because it's nanoparticle, is that, just a sec, okay, it's over. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, It assembles inside your body. And once it starts assembling, it starts to grow. And then it fuses to your tissue. Um, It fuses to your ligaments. It fuses to your cells. It fuses to your bone. And, and it grows. And so in the old days, like people got microchips. And you know, a couple years later, you decided it it wasn't cool to have a microchip anymore. So you got it taken out. Well, you can't take this hydrogel out because it becomes one with your body. But that isn't the scariest thing. The scariest thing is that you become one with artificial intelligence and your devices. So you become your own computer interface between, you know, it doesn't matter if it's your uh, Fitbit, your, uh, your cell phone, your laptop, you know, whatever devices, if turn the lights on at your house, you actually become one with AI. Now that is truly scary. I, I know for me, I have lots of technical issues um, just with computers. And I can't even imagine if I was bringing that, all those problems into my own body.
1: I want to dissect this because this is just right out of George Orwell's books. But I think of planned obsolescence. And you remember, not that you were alive at the time, when cars came out and appliances came out, I mean, even light bulbs, they used to, there's a light bulb, I forgot, I think it's in Chicago at a fire station somewhere, uh, that it's over 120 years old. And appliances used to last forever. And of course, they said, well, we're not making money here. We have to have some planned obsolescence so we can make money. And I think there's planned obsolescence with people. You know, after you're ready to retire at the age of 60 some, that's when a lot of people get sick and they whatever money they have left through Medicare or through their savings it goes to the to the pocket of the, you know, pharmaceuticals. But in the future, things are going to change. They're going to predict who's productive and who's not. And if you're not productive, and you are, as you say, linked to the AI central station, all they need to do is just press a button, and you just died of a heart attack or died in your sleep, and nobody will know. But this is this the plan, Celeste? Yes. Yes. So Internet of Things... That uh, right now everybody's so happy because they they know that their washer or the jacuzzi or the refrigerator is saying, "Hey, you need more milk. You need more of this. You need more of that." But now with humans, is the rest of them? Oh, Mel, you have high blood pressure. We're going to send you the, you know, whatever medication you need, or high cholesterol, or whatever. Do you think this is it? This is the reason why, when it comes yeah. to, to, to 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 being connected.
2: Um, Well, precision, part that's part of precision medicine is to diagnose all. So three years ago in 2016, um, precision medicine was launched, and that is medicine based on our our genome, which is why they they want every man, woman, and child's blood in the system. So you're not going to be going to a pharmacy and picking up a prescription or you're not going to be getting over-the-counter drugs. And quite often, you're probably not even going to have surgery. You are going to be treated uh, by your blood. And actually, we may not even have grocery stores anymore. Uh, Many of them are going to go out of business. But you are going to be allotted or rationed, depending on your blood type, what food you can have, uh, so that you don't accidentally overeat too much sugar or too many carbs or whatever, you know my my concern is that it will be agenda driven diets. Um, but this is all based on your blood. That is one reason. I mean, they are just that's number one on the list to get back to normal. We have to collect everybody's blood.
1: Let's go let's connect some dots here. Okay. Is this a sign for future physicians or lack thereof? People who are listening, we have a lot of young people and we have some young doctors. Mm -hmm. Should they be in this business in the future? Because the way I see it, if you have, as you say, the hydrogel and you have everything connected to a massive computer and they can diagnose you remotely, why do we even need doctors in the future if whatever we have inside will diagnose us, you know, maybe you can go to Walmart. And you put your finger inside of something and the cashier may have, you know, an associate degree or some training on how to diagnose you. And right there, they just dispense whatever medicine you need.
2: Um, So doctors and nurses are on the extinction list. That's what I was asking. Yeah. But lots of other people are too. There isn't going to be b- business. Um, when you look at the World Economic Forum, they do not want people to be consumers anymore. And they are going to great lengths to stop you and change your behavior right now to stop consuming. All these years we've been told to be consumers. And now they are saying no more consuming. Right. You may not have access.
1: And this is why I was saying that this is so strange because after nine eleven, consume, consume, consume. But for the yes. first time, I'm seeing Las Vegas shut down. I'm seeing retail stores and all malls shut down. Those are, I thought those were the people behind the deep state. They're willing to just give that up for what?
2: Power and control. I mean, they really do believe that if they get rid of the mass of people that there will be this garden-like utopia with just a, you know, however many of them, uh, that that number varies, depends if you go by the Georgia Guidestones or you know who you go by, um, but that but not very many people, and that Earth will be this this wonderful paradise for them, a playground, um, and they just really don't want us. And if, you know, people go, well, what about uh, the workforce and? Who's going to serve them? Well, they've got these... Have you heard of the synths?
1: Refresh my memory. I think I've heard it, but refresh my memory. Okay, the
2: synths are synthetic um, humanoids, and they are completely robots. They are going to be embodied by a spirit at some point. Um, It it remains to be seen at this point if that's going to be an angelic or a demonic spirit, but um, these are the they're being made they're compassionate Uh, they're going to deploy them at banks healthcare workers um they're also going to be in like um the service industries like for hotels and that type of thing so and these are not humans they're they're robots so if you go to sanctuary.ai um i have covered it Um, before they went dark. Hold hold, hold it right
1: there, because we have to break I don't mean to interrupt you, but we have to break both segments. We'll come to the end of the hour. But I want to continue with this, because for years I've been studying this chimeras and the fact that in the future we may have a, (laughs) I I hate to even say this, but say 98% human and 2% some kind of animal. And that being, I don't know what to call it, will not have human rights and this is going to be the the new slave race but i want to just get your take on this when we come back how can people learn more about your work how can people support what you do your websites and so on
2: so at uh, patreon um at shepherd's heart uh farm and then shepherd's dot life
1: is that the best one to get in touch with you and in, in, in your work
2: Um, Actually, I have been taking a little sabbatical because I'm a keynote speaker for the 2020 True Legends uh, conference on ancient cataclysms and coming catastrophes. And so that I will be filming that next week. And so I've just been kind of hanging out at my Patreon site. So the best place to catch up with me is at Patreon at Shepherd's Heart Farm.
1: Great, folks. Well, I'm going to dive deeper during part two, a lot of questions that I have that I'm sure, with the twenty year of experience that you ha- twenty years of experience you have with FEMA, you'll be able to answer. This is Mel Fabrigus, and you are listening to Veritas. My special guest today is Celeste Solom.
3: Don't go anywhere. See you in the member section. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe, to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know.